What's up, everybody? Jared here again, helping the Red Out podcast, being your host once again. We do have Devin in the house. What's up? You got me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it going, buddy? It's doing good, doing good. Give everybody an update how everything's been the past week, if you don't mind. Uh, so, uh, Abby Ray was born last Wednesday, uh, about 1045 at night. Let me tell you, first off, that's a, it's an exhausting process. I mean, I know mom did a lot more work than I did, but yeah. you know, it's just, it's, and, and what's funny is after I called in last week, she just looked at me and she's like, really, really, right? You know, because we were basically at like zero hour right then. So I was like, hey, I got, I got to, you know, kind of at least kind of give them an update what's going on. You know, I can't just leave people hanging. Uh, but uh, she was born 1045. Um, we didn't get in the way the hospital here works, um, is that once baby's born two hours later, um, you get moved into post delivery. And so we got into a room at like two, we had to do, she did a feeding at three at three fifty. She messed herself. So I got to change my first diaper for her first diaper. Oh, fine. And, uh, went to, I got to sleep. Uh, Kara, my wife, uh, she had to, she got woke up by the nurse at five o'clock. Uh, mm. so an hour later and then at six, she had to get up and feed her again. Uh, so she basically got no rest. So, uh, basically the formula hospital plus baby equals no sleep. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Applies. Um, but yeah, everybody's doing good. She's, uh, she'll be a week old, uh, at about 10 45 tonight. Uh, so yeah, just, uh, living the dream, you know, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, but, man. I'm happy for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, exhausted, but we're both, we're happy. It's it's one of those nice little things that um, she has. She's she's got mood swings, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. She goes from really happy and you know great and everything's awesome, and then it's the end of the world because you did something and or you haven't done something. Uh, and she's crying, and then she sleeps. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just those little brief glimpses of sunshine, of happiness that you're like, oh, this is great. But it, it's totally worth it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, she's, that's definitely going to be your life for the next few years. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. As long as she starts sleeping through the night, we'll be great. Yeah. See, that's yeah, the thing I don't understand about kids is that, see, now as an adult, I absolutely love taking a nap. I love getting as much sleep as possible. When you're a kid, you absolutely fight it tooth and nail for as long as you can. <laughs> because, I mean, you're not playing. So, I mean, kids just love to play. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah. She's, she's, she gets milk drunk like crazy, which, by the way, is a term. <laughs> I did not nice. realize that, like, before kids. Uh, but she gets milk drunk, and she'll sleep, like, four hours a day. And now at night, oh, it's completely opposite. It's nowhere near like that. She sleeps like two hours, and we're like, oh, my God, thank God. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah, I mean, everything's great. Um, just got to get used to get her on a schedule, hopefully, you know, within the next, I think I think somebody told us, like, for at least two or three months before she'll start sleeping through the night. But uh, she made it a couple hours longer last night, so that's what we're <laughs> enjoying hey, thus far. It's just those small wins, those small wins. Exactly, gets older, exactly. So. That's exactly. Mm -hmm. Which we did have a good weekend, a uh, good uh, win over the weekend with the Chiefs, right? Yeah, I was going to ask who your winners and losers <laughs> for the week. Oh, my gosh. Definitely the Chiefs are my winner. Uh, the 49ers, losers. Jake, loser. Sorry, buddy. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, let me tell you. I texted him after the game, and he, he was crying so much. The refs mm -hmm. didn't call this. They didn't call that. I was like, first off... I was impartial for the most part of that game. And and you even know for a fact, like at halftime or something, I jokingly said Andy Reid's not going to get his uh, buffet. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Because that's that's one of my favorite memes going around right now is the Andy Reid going to eat uh, eat a fast food buffet at the White House. Uh, that's my <laughs> favorite meme. And I was like, well, he ain't going to get it. But now, I mean, they did, they did a great job. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, there were several drives that it was like, he's about to lose this. And you look up, and he just you know ran for 15 yards and got him the first down. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I was extremely tickled as far as the game's concerned. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a really solid game. It's a lot better than last year's just for the fact that the Patriots weren't in it. That's all I really cared about. It was <laughs> exactly. definitely pretty close. I mean, 
I don't know what it is, but my curse held true until the entire end of the <laughs> NFL season. Every single team that I said was going to win in the playoffs lost. So I don't know if I'm just unlucky. I don't know if there's some type of weird mystical powers behind that. I'm still working on sources <laughs> to confirm that, but... <laughs> But yeah, I thought it was really I funny because I had last week on the podcast, I said that the 49ers would win and lo and behold, that made it to where Dion Yelder and the Chiefs would get a ring. So, I mean, I guess it's worth it. I knew. Yeah, so that's yeah, why I chose the 49ers. So, Jake, I'm sorry. Just be glad your team was in the Super Bowl and not hosting it. And I wouldn't honestly, I've always <laughs> thought about what I would do if the Dolphins were in a Super Bowl because – I would just be in awe that I would be witnessing it in my lifetime because it hasn't happened since the Marino days when they actually were in one and they haven't won a Super Bowl since the 70s. So I would just be glad to be there. Even if we got hosed, they'd be like, you know, I can live with this. We're playing in the Super Bowl. I'm just glad to be here. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I completely agree. Um, I mean, it's been, what, ten, almost 10 years now since the Packers were in a, a Super Bowl. Yeah. So. Completely agree, that. and yeah, you know, it's it's so depressing. I mean, and that's what Jake and I kind of talked about after the fact. I was like, well, at least you've still got a chance to go back. You know, mm-hmm. as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned, I feel like he's his talent's being wasted at Green Bay, but it's yeah. just a disgruntled fan's opinion at this point. So I'll take him in Miami. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. <laughs> uh, so what was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? Oh, man. I really liked the Groundhog Day one. See, I was at the Super Bowl party with my church, and it was like the youth and stuff. And the only people that got that reference was the parents and me. Like, I was the youngest person that understood that joke. But that one was good. I kind of liked the TurboTax one, even though it was really cheesy, just like the dancing or whatever. It was kind of funny. We all got – oh, voice crack. We all got trolled with uh, Tom Brady's. That one was really funny. That I thought he was going to be making his career announcement that he's either retiring or moving to a different team, and then he, it was a Hulu advertisement, which that was well played. As much as I hate that man, yes. i got to give him some credit. That was pretty funny. What about you? Um, I di- I, okay, so first off, as far as funny goes, Bill Murray's was by far my favorite. That, that one right there made me go back and watch Groundhog Day again. I love yep. that movie. Um. The Jason Momoa one I thought was great. Oh, that one was good, too. <laughs> Taking off his muscles so, and hair and all of that. Oh, my gosh. It was so creepy, but it was so great. Um, mm-hmm. I liked the Ellen the Ellen with the Alexa commercial. I thought that was pretty good, too. Yeah, I forgot about um, it. That was good. And my favorite like non-funny one was probably like the, the intro to the Super Bowl, where the little kid just he keeps running, and you know mm-hmm. people are like, different celebrities are stopping him or whatever, and, you know... He kind of does the run by the Pat Tillman statue and stuff like that. And, you know, that was really nice. I liked that. That was a nice touch. Um, yeah. My least favorite was the Smot car, the Smot Pock. Oh, that yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. That was so ridiculous. I was like, that's that's an awful commercial. But, Just think uh, somebody paid you know? over $5 million for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it is did good. You, do you have, did you have any you hated, though, or just didn't like? I mean, there was a few I just didn't really care for. I don't even remember them because it was such a chaotic environment <laughs> that I was watching it in anyways. Oh but it, yes. even with the church youth thing, we did watch the halftime show, show, and it was about as I expected. I mean, it was basically like a nightclub in Miami, just in the stadium instead of in the nightclub. Yeah, The whole tongue thing with Shakira, that's probably my favorite meme of the year so far. <laughs> just all yes, the different things that I've seen from that are so funny, so funny. Okay, so since you watched it with a church group, was there any kind of, uh, I guess, kind of ridicule from people watching about the halftime performance, or what did they think? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, if you're a church person, then you have more little modesty, I guess you could say. But, I mean, that's what you would expect from Shakira and J-Lo, in my opinion. I don't know why anybody really thought otherwise that's what they do i mean it's adult entertainment that's technically what that is so i mean and there's a lot of adult people that watched it and everything i mean i know a lot of people were really triggered and saying think about the kids and all of that but that's still a part of our world still a part of our society and it's going to happen regardless so i mean no point really raising a fuss about it in my opinion i agree my and the one the one that kind of triggered me by saying something is my mother actually which is so funny because (laughs) well okay so let me back up a little bit they came up last wednesday and uh they stayed at the house and took care of our dogs and stuff and helped us out you know 
as far as that's concerned. And then once we got home, they kind of they kind of helped out and took uh, do it took duty helping clean duty, I guess, uh, and help us out with the baby and stuff like that. Uh, and so me and mom and dad are sitting there watching the Super Bowl. My wife's in bed asleep, and my mom's like, oh, "Can you can you believe this? Can you believe this?" And I'm just like, "Who cares? You know, she's." They're dancing, of course. You know, you know. You may not. You think it's provocative or whatever, but you got to think. Last year, I don't even remember who the guy was that was singing, but he was. Oh, this time. time. Shoot, it's Maroon Five, so Adam Levine. Yeah, yeah, Adam Levine. He's half naked. The most of the performance, you didn't hear any of the dudes talking about. Yeah. Oh, this is a children's show. Yeah. Okay. So just you know, as far as I'm concerned, just chill out, people. You know, yeah. I'm just amazed that J Lo could climb up that pole and then do that. What she did, I know fifty year olds, you know, that can't do that now. And I mean, yeah. that's amazing. That good shape she's in. That's a, it. Was uh, pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's that. That's my opinion as far as the uh, triggered people are concerned. Yeah, I feel you on that. And we're still waiting on Ross. He'll be here any minute, but I kind of go into my winners and losers. I mean, same for winners as Kansas City. Of course, Dion Yelder, good old pro top player, finally getting a ring, really impressive. He, he did see the field a little bit on special teams. I wish he would have taken at least one or two offensive snaps to like in goal line or something, but it is what it is. But really happy for him, just his whole story, being a walk-on and working his way up, getting on scholarship, and then balling out his last two seasons at Western, especially his senior year. He's one of the best tight ends in the country. And then still faced more adversity by being undrafted, then was able to get with the Chiefs and work his way up. And I hope this is just the beginning for him because, I mean, winning a Super Bowl is definitely the highest high you can get in the sports world. So, I mean, but as good as the Chiefs are, they have the possibility of going there again as long as they keep uh, Tyreek Hill and Damian Williams, Patrick Mahomes, Sammy Watkins, all of them, Travis Kelsey. They have a really solid team, especially on offense. So I think they have a bunch of – hope to look forward to but my losers is i know you love oddball articles and you're gonna love this i just saw this on yahoo news and uh the loser would be mcdonald's technically because there's a new documentary coming out called mcmillions and it's covering about the Monopoly game that McDonald's used to have in the 1990s. I'm sure you remember yes. it. I yes. vividly remember it because I always tried to get Park Place and Boardwalk because that's how you got the million dollars is if you got both of those. And I would always get like the other ones. Like I would get two, but I would never get the third one. But it turns out there's a reason for that is that they basically uncovered in this entire documentary that will be on HBO that you never really had a chance to win. And yeah. uh, Mark Wahlberg is one of the producers for it, and it's really, really interesting because <laughs> <laughs> I that, always that's... wanted to win it so bad. But there was an actual FBI investigation into this, which is the craziest thing. Like it started as early as 2000 in Jacksonville's FBI bureau that they were looking into it but couldn't find much. But then with like the whole uh, Freedom of Information Act in 2014, he was able to get more stuff to look into, and it turned out there was a shadowy figure in McDonald's name uncle jerry who mysteriously managed to steal the winning prizes before like in the manufacturing process and was able to arrange it for like friends and family and all of that so people never had a chance to win this dude was basically stealing everything and this whole documentary just kind of goes into their investigation of it and it's really cool because they said that the fbi agents are so entertaining and that one of them especially comes out like a less clueless but more quirky michael scott from the office so that definitely <laughs> gets my attention that, so it's going to have a little humor in it. It's going to have the seriousness. But it is crazy. There were arrests made. But get this. It happened right before 9-11. Like the arrangement oh started gosh. on September 10th, 2001. And then it was all over the news cycles and the week leading up to 9-11. But as soon as 9-11 happened, then it hit the back of the pages and it was just gone in, the in, in an instant. So it's going to be like a nine-part I think so, yeah. It's going to be a non-part documentary series on HBO, McMillions. So that seems really, really interesting to me <laughs> because I'm still I upset will, I never got a Monopoly. I will say I do remember, vaguely remember an article about that and talking about something like that. But, um, yes, I completely agree. I don't know how many times, like, you would go to – like, oh, if you're around South, South Central Kentucky, you know, you would go to, like, yeah. Smith's Grove – or Scottsville, or Franklin, or you know Glasgow, wherever, 
and try and hit up a McDonald's thinking, well, if I get a little bit further out, then I might have a better chance of finding that park place or boardwalk, whichever you needed. And, you know, it, it never failed. Nobody ever had that, but it, you know, in this same aspect, it kind of cracks me up that the Jacksonville FBI is so bored that they're investigating McDonald's. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about Jacksonville, Florida, nothing really happens there. Like I never hear That's Jacksonville, true. Florida in the news. Well, I'm sure there are plenty of Florida men down there that are on meth yes. and uh, natty lights and absolute <laughs> yes. ribbons and all that. But, but it's not as chaotic as the rest of the state. Cause I mean, you hear about so many crazy stories, but you rarely oh, hear about gosh. Jacksonville, which is kind of unusual, but I guess kind of moving Definitely on right. into stuff, though. Uh, I had just kind of a quick pro tops update. Of course, the biggest one is Dion Yelder went into Super Bowl. He didn't register many stats. He just kind of played on special teams a little bit. But as sad as people are going to be that the NFL is over, you have to remember this Saturday is when the XFL starts back for the first time since I don't even remember, like the early 2000s, wasn't it? Like 2001? Yeah, yeah, it's been forever ago since they played. But yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I as a football fan, I, I always dread the Super Bowl. I love it and I hate it because you've got what seven months and so many days until the next technical football game starts up. Yeah, and so XFL is going to keep that going. I don't know if they're going to do as crazy rules as they used to. Um, like they used to not do it like a coin flip or something. But they would do uh, yeah. like the run after the ball kind of crazy stuff and hit each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I guess it could be really cool, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, the um, one awesome. I remember. Hey, you buddy. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, buddy. Yeah, glad you could come on, man. We're talking about the XFL. We kind of moved on in. Did you have any winners and losers you wanted to talk about, though? Uh, we'll talk about the Super Bowl. Um, I think I'm good. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> we're talking moving. about yeah. So we're talking about the XFL and everything. I was wondering if you're going to be kind of keeping up with everything, and if you had any thoughts. Like, there were some Western players that were on like the practice teams, but once they cut the rosters, I don't think we have any pro tops that's going to be on an XFL roster. What are your thoughts on XFL possibly, Ross? Uh, I mean, I, I like the idea of more football. I, I was talking to a friend earlier this week. I was like. Why don't they push this back like two months when like, you know, we where we're just craving football and there's, you know, doing it like right after the NFL wins. It's not really, I don't think it really, you know, I'm not that I'm fatigued of football, but it's like if you gave me like in the middle of baseball season and I'm a huge baseball fan, but for people like you guys, like you, you had in the beginning of April to like July and there's no football going on. You've you've been deprived for a couple months. I think it would be better. I think it, I mean it. It'll be fine, but I just don't know how good the players will be. They're kind of NFL rejects, and then how you know good the product will be. I'm sure it's going to be just like the AF was last year. The XFL was last time. I think you know they'll it'll be fun, but and then people will move on. March Madness will happen. Baseball, golf, all that stuff will start, and it'll just be kind of background noise. So. That's my predictions. Yeah, that was my whole thing, too, is that they should have at least started it after March Madness. That way there's nothing else kind of competing for that, that it would be kind of the main thing. Because, I mean, of course, the NBA playoffs, they start around the first part of April and last until about the middle of June. I keep up with it. So, thankfully, my sports fix is at least fixed over into June. And Yeah, like, so- well, but if you had it going on in June, people would be excited about it. But instead, like, their season ends in what, like May, April? Yeah. Something like that. I haven't even fully looked into it. I just know we don't have any Western players on any complete rosters, which kind of sucks. But I want to go ahead and move on to some of the bigger news we got going on, Ross. I know you had that live vlog running today. So uh, can you kind of give us a recap on how the first part of the spring signing day was today and who all we got? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll say this. like They only announced four signings today, but... They were all like really good recruits by Western standards. Um, mm-hmm. So they they added four players. I mean, there's a couple guys they added in January that they talked about today. Darius Ocean, who will be the second quarterback we got. Apparently, he's on campus and he'll compete in spring uh, spring football. Uh, Helton talked about him today. He talked a little bit about the UT transfer. Um, will Ignant, I think he should slide into the line, starting linebacker spot. You know, with Kyle Bailey and hopefully uh, healed up Eli Brown. 
But yeah, the the guys they got today, starting with the the first signing they announced. What's my computer just froze on? Here we go. Um, his name was Quantavius Leslie, an offensive lineman from uh, Rome, Georgia, second highest recruit in school history according to two four seven Sports, even wow. above Kavaris Thomas. Yeah. So, and if he actually plays, he'll be the highest to actually play for at, straight out of high school. So he had offers from, I think it was Florida, Tennessee, uh, Mississippi State, Michigan State, tons of tons of like big P five offers. I'm guessing he might usually in this case, like when you get a player like that, he must have either underperformed his senior year or uh, has some grade issues or something because that's the only way. It kind of explains to me how. Western got a player of that caliber, but I mean he should be he should be able to slide into the uh, starting lineup probably in 2021 when four of uh, Western's five starters are set to graduate on the line. So mm-hmm. he projects to be a guard, big six four guy, should be good. Another guy I'm really excited about is uh, Jacquez Evans, defensive end out of Dublin, Georgia. You'll notice the theme like wku cleaned up in georgia again uh, this guy had offers from tennessee miami and arizona state um he might actually even end up like a they announced him a defensive end but he might end up being like a a gauge walker type even down the road because he ran for 2500 yards in, in georgia during his senior year so i wouldn't be shocked if you know if, if we get kind of short on depth at running back if, if they even gave him a shot there because he was a beast um, other two guys they got Kendrick Simpkins was a former FAU uh, commit. He's DB. You know, also had some great offers. He decommitted after Lane went for, to Ole Miss, but uh, you know Tennessee, Nebraska, Colorado, and Kansas he wasn't really on WKU's radar till the past week. And uh, Helton had kind of a, an interesting comment during his press conference. He's like. We've really built like great relationships with guys and the coaches in the Georgia, Alabama, Florida area. So when, uh, so whenever like I guess like a P five offer falls through for these guys, their coaches call them and say, "Hey, do you have room for them?" So they're getting you know th- this class, these late guys they got are all you know mid to high five, four three star guys, which is huge for Western compared to the two and low threes they get. And the last guy they got was uh, Malachi Corley. A uh, receiver from Campbellsville, so what's that hour hour and a half from Bowling Green? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, dual threat guy had uh, 21 touchdowns for the single A Eagles this year. I think they, he's been on their radar for a while. So uh, you know, another three star. His offer list wasn't really great, but um, you know, really strong class. They should probably sign two or three others. There's B.J. Wagner, a guy who had uh, Missouri, West Virginia. Rutgers uh, offers that committed yesterday but didn't sign. So I'm guessing they'll announce him in a couple of days. They'll announce, uh, I'm guessing, Aaron Key, a D-end out of, uh, out of uh, Georgia as well. So, yeah, just keep look to keep, uh, you know, there'll be a couple more. And then Helton said he's going to keep looking for a grad transfer that's kind of like Ty Story was that has some big-time experience. So, yeah, you know, recruiting's going great. The the coaching staff sowing uh sowing the success and now they're getting better level recruit because of it. So it's looking nothing but up heading into next season. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Devin? Uh yeah, I agree. Um especially I mean, it's nice to see that these guys were getting and I agree completely. I just I don't know if if we need a G uh a graduate transfer quarterback again, like we had with uh, 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 Ty Story. Sorry, his name left me for a second. Um, or if we need to go with you know the guys we got here with uh, Stephen Duncan or somebody like that, and just. But I do like the competition, I, you know, and uh, you know, like you, like Ross said, I do think I vaguely remember, and I don't know if this is true here or not. Um, it's still in this period, but. I do remember, I think I heard somebody say that Western, once a player transfers or a student transfers into Western, their GPA resets. I mean, so that could be a reason for someone to transfer here. Um, Just a thought. Um, And Hmm. uh, But, yeah, other than that, it seems like they're just hitting it out of the park, keeping everything together, uh, keeping everybody together and everything else. Um, Are we stapling? 
Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now you're good. No, it's just like, coming through nice and loud, and I was like, cool. Sounds like uh, we got homework or something going on. Uh, but no, I mean, everything looks great as far as everything's concerned. Um, I, I just we'll have to see how everything goes in spring practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad football's looking good. Uh, but we'll move on to the yeah, lightning I mean, Well, go ahead. No, I would say this is, you know, last season gave us probably, you know, a refresh to where the program kind of close to where they were under Braum. And now, like, I, this is most hyped about WKU football. And, and this recruiting class that we got and these guys we're getting, I mean, it just, may, it just builds on it. I mean, next year is going to be great. As we get into, you know, the – spring and summer and you know closer closer to the new season i think we got a lot of stuff to talk about heading into next year so yeah it's going to be a lot of fun and i hope we can hold on to hilton as long as we can and still be able to have success with him because he's definitely turned things around a lot faster than we ever would have predicted which is a good thing so i'm really excited for football but looking at the Lady Tops this past week, they played Florida and Diddle. So they, they had a couple of home games. Uh, first, they had FAU. They were able to take them down uh, 68 to 59. Pretty good defensive effort. They held. Uh, they only scored what the Tops did nine points in the fourth quarter, which doesn't look too good. They should have won by a lot more, but thankfully still able to pull out the win. Raneem, she had almost 30 points. She had 28. And then on Saturday against FIU, uh, Florida International, we won by 20 points, 71-51. That looked pretty solid. Raneem, again, leading the team in scoring. She's been hitting her stride lately, and that's definitely a good thing to – because, I mean, the way that the conference is looking right now, the Lady Tops are in fifth place. I mean, they still got some work to do. I mean, of course, Rice, they're really hard to beat. They still haven't lost a conference game. Old Dominion's 8-1. But um, MTSU and UAB, who are ahead of the Lady Tops at the moment, I mean, they're seven and three. Lady Tops are six and three, so they definitely have the possibility of moving past them. Hopefully, this weekend when they play La Tech on the road and then Southern Miss. But do you guys have any thoughts on how the Lady Tops are looking right now? Ross, I'll let you go first. Uh, I mean, they took care of business against the bottom of the league, uh, which you know, when we get into the men's. I wouldn't say the Florida teams are the bottom of that. They're mid-tier. But you take you got to take care of business. Um, just looking at the ESPNW bracketology thing, um, Conference USA's got three teams in right now, according to that. Wow. So that means they've got Rice as a as a team as a team, and then, you know probably as the automatic winner, and then Old Dominion and Western as the last team in the field. So you know Western's got a really high RPI. I think they're in the low thirties and. You know, as long as they take care of business against the bottom tier teams in the league, and only lose to like the top teams, they can they can sneak in as an outlier team too. So, you know, really good. You know, Matt kind of gets on me for you know. Obviously, we're going to emphasize men's basketball more more than women's, but he does a great job with the coverage, and you know, it's definitely something to pay attention to because they actually live up to expectations, unlike some other people. So. Uh, yeah. You know, really good start, and uh, just keep taking care of business. Louisiana Tech isn't really that good right now. Who else do they? Southern Miss is is kind of mm-hmm. average. So just take care of business on the on the road, and uh, you know, keep staying in the conversation because the uh, you know if, if they can only lose one or two the rest of the way, they're, they're in a great shape for at large bid. Yeah, because that's pretty impressive for Conference USA to have three teams in the tournament and women's basketball. That's definitely really good. I wish that the men's side was like that too. But the ladies are killing it right now. i got to give them credit where credit is due. And, of course, like you said, Matt, he does a lot of solid job covering the Lady Tops. And he's got a bunch of articles on the towel rack, so be sure to check those out. He just did a Lady Topper notebook thing talking about what's going on in the conference outlook. So if you get a chance, be sure to read that if you're into Lady Top stuff. Devin, what do you think? I, you know, it's just like Ross said, um, it's kind of the inverse of the coin here. The Lady Tops went and beat Marshall, which we want them to do every time. And then they went to Florida and they killed it. So what else can you ask for? You know, you just want them to at least finish out strong and, you know, get into the tournament, hopefully, and, you know, dominate there. And like you said, just got to take care of business. Of course, guys, it's kind of, they kind of, flopped a little bit in Florida, but yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, completely agree. Yeah. 
No, I'll go ahead and get into that right now, just because. I mean, of course, the guys unfortunately lost out on the road in Florida. First, they played FAU and lost 69 to 65. Just wasn't the best effort. And well, I mean, I say effort, and I know that triggered a lot of people the other time I said that. But I mean, these are still teams that, at the caliber that Western is, even without the Bassy, they should be able to beat them. And it always comes down to some type of last ditch effort when they finally start to get things going, which is really frustrating because a lot of the things if they played the way that they did in the last two or three minutes especially against the FIU game as well like if they play that strong like the whole game just think of how many people this team would be able to blow out but yet I mean just kind of standing around on defense a little bit sometimes and then just not looking there on offense but of course Thursday uh, tops lost 69-65 Josh Anderson had 20 points he looked really solid in that game and then most recently on Saturday uh, Florida International taking down the tops, eighty-one to seventy-six. We we just didn't have an answer for the big guy that they had. I wish I remembered how to pronounce his name as much as they were awesome saying. Way? Is it awesome way? Maybe I think that might be right. We'll say it is. But Jared Savage, he had twenty yeah. points. He looked pretty solid. But of course, like same old same old with this team. They just kind of pondered around the first thirty minutes of the game and then started to put together a run in the last five minutes. So it's frustrating. Ross, what do you think about this road trip to Florida? I mean, both of the teams aren't bad that they lost to. I mean, this this isn't the FIU, FIAU of like three years ago where they were like the bottom tier of the league. They've got two up-and-coming coaches that, you know, I don't expect to be there too long, especially if one of them breaks through. But, I mean, North Texas lost and – so we blew a chance to be in, you know, to stay in, in the lead and in the conference. And it's just, there's just some things like, okay, we're, we're a flawed team. We don't have a bench. But the, the refusal by Stansberry to try to develop a bench, like you're getting killed inside. Please throw a big body like Cozart at uh, Awesome Way to slow him down. It's just little stuff like that that drives me crazy. I mean, the FAU loss really didn't bother me that much, other than the fact that they jumped out to a 12-0 lead. Like, it was pretty back and forth. FAU kind of shot out of their minds. Like, they had some guys that were hitting threes that never hit threes, and that stuff happens. But the FIU game, they just came out lazy at the beginning and, you know, just kept digging themselves a hole where – you know, if you don't do that's the one that really makes me upset because uh, the they I don't really besides besides getting killed inside I don't really think they that that team is that good so um, you know humbling week uh, you know I posted that meme on there like Western gets our hopes up we start to believe and then we're disappointed and it's just been a never ending cycle of that I'm sure. I'm sure uh, we'll get into this week's games. I'm sure they'll find a way to win both and get us back on board. But this team's got to show consistency. Rick Stansberry's got to show consistency in the fact that he's willing to change. There's times like middle and uh, some other games where Gambrell gets a shot, Cozart gets a shot, but then the game gets tight and Stansberry doesn't play his bench at all and the guys are just gassed. So... I you know I don't really know if they're they're gonna do it, but it's just this team's just gonna be frustrating until they either break through or until something happens. So we'll see. Yeah, this team either has the potential to break through a big wall, sort of like winning in Frisco, or slamming straight into it and not even make it past the first round. But Devin, what do you think about the Florida road trip recently? Well, I mean, with the FAU game, it seems like it was a lot of back and forth, and you know. Western would come up and, you know, kind of dominate a little bit, and then the FAU dominated, and then they just kind of pulled away a little bit there at the end. But the FIU game, I mean, it was just – it. from what it seems, it's just pure domination. I mean, Western would get close, but you still can't pull away and win these. And it basically started in the first half at, like, the 12:09, and then it ended right there at the end. I mean – Western came close right there at the end within, like, what, two points, 78, 76? But yeah. you just got to gotta get those easy points. You got to go in there. I mean, I'm not saying it's effort. I won't make that mistake. But, you know, you're 4 of 15 from 3. I mean, they were 6 of 23, so they were throwing up a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 of 26 at free throw for us, they were 5 of 10. Um, 
So, I mean, it wasn't free throws. Okay, I got a good word instead of effort. Let's say focus. Okay. Yeah, I guess that works. Yeah. But uh, another thing, but, too, with that, like, just, just real quick, Devin, sorry, is that even Todd Stewart called out the officiating in the FIU game because of that 10-second call that was basically missed, that it looked like they may have gotten it over, but then they added a second back on the shot clock, but not the game clock or vice versa. It was something really weird, but that would have made it Western's ball when it was when they were down by two, and that could have completely changed the outcome of the game. But, of course, well, they could have – the thing – they could have still got a stop there too, and then they weigh up. They allow an easy basket. So I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like when you play, when you put, let teams hang around with you, when you dig holes, when you when you can't put teams away, you're gonna lose like that. You know, especially on the road. It's you know, like the officiating might have screwed us in back to back games, but if you are focused and you blow out teams, you don't. Have, it doesn't matter what the officials do. Yeah. Absolutely, because yeah. we need to rely yeah. on Conference USA refs anyways, as unreliable as they are. But, Devin, do you have some more thoughts on that? No, no, no. I think you're – I mean, y'all are hitting spot on as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but it's it's like – like I was joking about Jake earlier, talking about the 49ers. Uh, it's the same premise. You know, if you dominate a team, it doesn't matter how bad the refs are. There's not going to be – you know, it's not going to be as close with that. But, you know, I – I, I, I can't blame the refs. Of course, I didn't watch a lot of the game, but still, it's, you know, if evidently FIU dominated us most of the game, and Western's better than that, in my opinion. So, I mean, we yeah. still racked up free throws, so it's not like they called the game, like, completely for them. So. Well, I'm not saying they called it for them, but, yeah. you know, we've, we've still got um, four more games, and one tomorrow night, and... Tomorrow, uh, Saturday, so uh, in Law Tech and Southern Miss, so you know we'll just have to see. Here's the thing, uh, Jared. If we take care, if we can split, oh, if we can split these next two ten games, we're guaranteed to uh, we're guaranteed to make the top pod. Which, all things considered, is is good with all the excuses, and then you just try to close the regular season strong. But you yeah. know, even they could even win one of one of four. And still make the top pod because UAB made it like eight and eight and six last year, and that's all we'd have to do. So that's number one. And then you know, obviously, you finish in the top four of the five, then you get the buy. So I guess that's we got a conference title is still on the table if they somehow s- sweat. But after this last weekend, we're humble. We just got to take it one game at a time. If you want to make a statement. You come tomorrow, you know, in the blackout. You don't. You beat a good Louisiana Tech team, a really good Louisiana Tech team, and you show that you're getting your stuff together. And you know, I even if they do that, I don't know if I'll believe in them. But it's at least a start. You know, you get you get fans back off the ledge again. Yeah, I do have a good question for you though. Is that it, I don't know if you watched all of the FIU game. I think you did because you did the recap or did I do the recap? I don't even remember. But I think if you, you did the FAU or I did FAU. You did FIU. All right, cool. But in the FIU game, like looking at the team, they looked pretty gassed, and that was just—I know it was kind of a long travel, and it was two games in three days. But if that's how they're going to look after two games in three days, how do you think that they'll look in Frisco? Do you think that the depth is going to be what bites us in the butt this year? What do you think? I, yeah, I mean, even last year, if you look in the tournament, you could get somebody like Merrick Nelson to actually buy you minutes. He, we don't have anybody like that right now. Stansbury doesn't trust. I mean, I can pull up the schedule last year. Um, you know, Stansbury doesn't trust Cozart or uh, Gambrell to play any. And, you know, with, with Justice's back and his, I mean, just flat up crappy play lately too, it's just like, who do you trust to buy your starters some minutes? And then, you know, no offense to Carson Williams. He's a great player, but he is he just gets eaten alive inside. He can't offer any shot blocking or rim protecting presence and you know teams are just going to key on that like they did so i'm looking at let's look at the title game last year title game against odu so this would be the third game in three days you know for the title stansbury played uh all five starters 34 or more minutes the the leading bench players uh merrick nelson five 
Toby Smith four, Omer four, and Mustafa Jung four. None of those guys saw the court. So basically, and then we even have less people like that. Do you think we could get, you know, do you think he would play somebody more than six minutes in the in a you know semifinal game that's close? I just find that hard to believe, and it's gonna bite us in the butt. I just, mm-hmm. I I just refuse after this this road trip to see because it was what Thursday night game followed by a day off followed by basically a uh, Saturday afternoon game. So quick turnaround. That scares the crap out of me. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, because the conference tournament and everything, the scheduling on it, it all depends on where you end up and all of that, if you're able to advance in the first place, and also what kind of seeding you get to if you get that first round by. That's why it's so critical these next two games are, especially to be able to pull out these two wins on their home court. But just real quickly, looking at Conference USA standings, North Texas still uh, technically in first. They're 8-2. Louisiana Tech right behind them with the same record in the conference, and then Western at third place. So that just kind of shows how important this game tomorrow night in Doodle is going to be because we can be fighting for that two spot and you uh, definitely want to be able to seal the deal and get that first round by but just looking at Louisiana Tech Devin I'll let you go first uh, how do you think this game tomorrow night is going to be it's going to be an like 8 o'clock central tip off it's going to be kind of late it's going to be on CBS Sports Network but how do you see this one going I mean this is a coin toss and ESPN agrees it's uh, 50-50 so you can either be you know, either them or us and you know it's it, it, it's going to be a lot better for us in the long run if it's going us. So we'll just see as far as if the guys can pull it out. I just wish, it's kind of like Ross was just saying, I wish that uh, Stan's had a little more faith in his younger guys and could get him in there for a little bit longer than he actually is right now. You know, Because in the grand scheme of things, we're building to the future. So you need to start getting these guys in a little bit more, let them get a little more experience. Because, you know, if you don't get them in at all, then a couple years, either they're going to transfer, which has happened to us, or they're going to, you know, they're going to suck, and they're not going to be ready to play, and that's the bad part. So, just, I mean, as far here, as USM's concerned, I mean, Western's heavily favored online, so we very easily could split this. So, that's, uh, Ross, go ahead, buddy. Southern Miss is a must-win. You can't lose that game at home. Um, but the thing, back on that note, like you were saying, Devin, like, can we think of a guy like you, we used to have these kind of players all the time? A guy that went from like a, you know, an end of the bench role player, you know, his freshman sophomore year to a force like Orlando Mendez Valdez. Has has Stans had anybody like that since he's took? I know the roster was in shambles, but. Basically, Anderson and Tavion are the only consistent guys that have been there for, you know, multiple years. And they basically, you know, they've gone from start. They've been basically starters their whole time. I mean, I guess Anderson was a seven-point game player like his freshman year when he came in late. And then last year he was about a 12, 13, and this year he's about the same. So, like, you got to develop players. And that's, you know – we we'll get into this as, in the, as the tournament happens, or if we flame out or whatever. But like, not developing a bench, not developing role players, not keeping role players is going to be his downfall if if he doesn't succeed because these, his teams are getting worn out. Yeah, I know the most recent example I can think of, and it's not even Stansberry, was Justin Johnson. Uh, he came in, he was a freshman when it was George Fant and TJ Price's senior year, and he didn't see the court much. I think he averaged like four points and four rebounds his freshman year, but once George Fant graduated, he went into his role, and he never looked back ever since that. He was able to start averaging a bunch of points, a bunch of rebounds right off the bat. But like you said, in Rick Stansberry's era, we haven't had that guy. We haven't had some Someone that was averaging just a little bit of points and didn't play much was kind of a role player that was able to flourish and be able to grow as a player, get into the starting lineup or get extended minutes. Like we just haven't seen that at all. I mean, Rick Stansberry, he's basically just used a bunch of grad transfers. So those are only one season guys. And then he gets freshmen that either the transferring after their first year or some other crazy and like eligibility thing happens or something like that. It's just really frustrating that one, you still have to be able to retain the guys. And two, if you do retain the guys, they still want to be able to see the court some like, 
I mean, I don't know what all Coach Stansberry could promise somebody when he recruits them in there and then they dip out their, uh, after their freshman year. I mean, Delano Banton's another good example. He had that playing time, and then it was taken away with Lamonte Bearden, and then he just straight up left. So it's just really frustrating, really hard to be able to take care of all the egos. That's another big thing is trying to manage all of that. But I mean, so, but I don't blame go ahead. Guys, yeah, I mean, me neither. I, I just don't blame them because they're – their success is based on if they can get on the court and be seen by these uh, NBA scouts, almost NFL, um, these NBA scouts. So if they can get on the court and get seen and, you know, get their talent, you know, scouted, then they get, you know, they'll get paid. So they've got to get somewhere where they can get on the court and withstand you're only getting five, maybe six. So just my opinion, but... It just kind of gets frustrating. So I mean, not every player has to be a star player, too. I mean, I, I, Merrick Nelson, perfect example. I don't know if, why he left. I personally think he was probably ran off. But, like, he would have been – imagine if we even had him on this team. He was athletic. He played defense. He wasn't a star. But he would probably be a good five-point game star or player right now who would be doing stuff for you. Instead, he ran him off, and that – might have been the chain reaction that got Smith to run off. And it's just, there's just no continuity. on. There's no continuity. The, the, basically, you're either a starter or you're into the bench player. There's no in-between. And, you know, somebody like Gambrell has shown flashes. Stansberry better be careful or else he's going to lead the program and we're going to be back to where we were. And, you know, you can blame it. I saw somebody like Doug Gorman, who's, who's a pretty good guy, but – he was like, well, Tolu Smith left because he didn't want to be behind Bassey. Well, you know why he didn't want to be behind Bassey? Because Sandsbury only played him 10 minutes a game last year. you got to understand you're, you've got a long game going on. And if you got to give a guy who's talented, if you got to stroke the ego, you got to stroke the ego a little bit. It's not, it's not you know, you're not just playing just immediate uh, wins and losses. You're playing the long game as well. So, And with that long game, like you're talking about, sorry, Jared. You know, my thing is, like Matt was talking about, you know, you're going to have fresh legs coming into March or even into the Conference USA tournament. So, like, this, like the USM game, wouldn't that be a great time to put Cozart in? Let him get mm-hmm. some substantial minutes. Let some of these younger guys get some of the more substantial minutes. Let them, Western goes up by 20, throw the young guys in. Let them do some, put some work But in they're too much of a liability, start. according to Stansberry, which really kind of irritates me that he would actually say that. I mean, yeah, they're young and they're going to make some mistakes, but you still got to try to be able to buy your starters a little bit of rest, especially moving into Frisco. Yeah, but my argument with that is you recruited them. If they're a liability, then why did you recruit them? Yeah, exactly. exactly. If they're a project, you still have to work on your project. You can't just neglect the project. I mean, yeah, it's 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 just it's maddening. It's like okay, well, we'll bring you in if you don't if you don't do what we think, you're gonna sit on the bench and you're gonna transfer. And it's just it's just frustrating, man. Like, you know, Josh Andrew, you know, we got all these guys that are playing their butt off, playing, you know, they're worn out. Like, why, you know? And the thing that was really frustrating when this team was at full strength, he screwed up the lineup too because Josh Anderson was playing like 20 minutes a game. Jordan Rawls barely saw the court, like. Even when the team's at full strength, he doesn't know how to play an extended lineup. And, you know, we should be, like, we were having, at least I was having uh, delusions of this, you know, being able to press and run out teams out of the gym. And instead, you know, we're once again, you know, coming into the last month of the season and we're playing six guys. It's it's just, you know, it's just uh, insanity every year. And... If, if we flame out again, people are just going to still be frustrated because it's just it's obvious what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. isn't that basically the definition of was it idiotic or moronic? Or it's insanity. We're yeah, do the same insane. thing over again. Yeah, doing the same thing over and over again. So, mm-hmm. but sorry, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, I was just going to ask. All things considered, how do you guys see these next two games at home panning out? Devin, I'll let you go first. I think we'll split. I think we'll. We'll lose La Tech. We'll beat USM. Ross, what do you think? I hate to be the pessimist, but oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I think just I think just based on yeah, just based on how the, they played last week. I mean, I'm gonna say a split. I think they could easily win tomorrow. And if they win tomorrow, they're gonna beat Southern Miss on Saturday. So I'm gonna say a split. 
and you know people you know the the people deflect and make excuses but like right it's you just got to come out there and prove the the doubters wrong i guess if you're wku yeah. basketball yeah. See, I'm more on the chaotic neutral side of things. I think it's more like this team that they would beat La Tech and end up losing to Southern Miss just because they don't come <laughs> out to play. I think that would definitely be more possible, at least in my opinion. Of course, we should beat a team like Southern Miss, but usually like games like that is when we play to the level of our competition and just try to get by with the most minimal effort possible. And then it's usually a lot closer game than it should be. I want to see them run the team out of our gym. Because that's what you should do with teams like that. That's what you should do to everybody that comes into your gym. It's your turf. It's your home court. Protect it Defend at all costs. House. Yes, exactly. Or, Defend the house. I mean, that's, you know, you look at North Texas who, you know, they're pretty much they're the first place team. They're the team. They are playing smart, efficiently until the Rice game, like doing what you're supposed to do, taking care of business. And that's why they're number 75 in the Kim Palm ratings. That's why Louisiana Tech is, let's see where they're at, uh, number 55 in the Kim Palm ratings. Because they're not just beating teams. They're not just holding on and winning against crappy teams. They're blowing them out. And we haven't seen that really since uh, the one decent season understands, or one good season understands Barry two years ago. So. Yeah, I completely agree. But I'm going to go ahead and move into the last part of this segment. I'll have to peace out here in a little bit. But this has always been one of my favorite things to talk about. I just absolutely love scheduling and the whole notion behind it. But recently, Todd Stewart, he talked with Elliot Pratt with Bowling Green Daily News about how he's reached out to Murray State which is an old school rival that we've had basically forever. It goes back to the OVC days when we were both really, really good teams. The highest attended game in Diddle Arena history before the renovations that have happened was against Murray State. It was like 14,000 people packed into Diddle Arena. I wish I could have been there for that. That would have been a crazy good environment to see. But he said that, quote, the reason we don't play Murray is Murray chooses not to play us. We've made it abundantly clear to uh, Murray and their coaches and their administration that we will play them at any time and we'll start a series there and the offer remains on the table and he said that he would be good for both teams that he knows the fans would like to play murray and murray fans would like to play us but i'll go ahead and ask you ross i'll let you go first like why do you think murray state is just kind of like either acting like they're too good for us now because of john morant or what do you think the reason behind this is i don't think it has anything to do with morant because they haven't played since what 2000 12 or 13 it's been seven or eight years uh um i think they i think it's a regional superiority thing i think they they were you know the dirty secret uh, you know that most western fans don't want to admit it's kind of tough to swallow because they have been the better program than us over the past 25 years i mean specifically specifically the last 10 years but um, you know, if you look, you know, they're playing in a weaker conference. They basically have a bunch of crap and then Belmont and then like whoever the Austin P Jacksonville state flavor of the year is, but you know, they're taking, that's what Western did back in the day. They used to run rough shot over the OVC and, and then, uh, you know, use that. Now they're doing that. So I think if they played us, they probably see it as, oh, well, within we, it, they beat us. We're back on our, you know, we're back to the you know fourth or fifth best team in there and it's like we don't need to play them what, what do we have to prove by playing them and that's probably why they do it so either that or kind of like like you told were saying the other day jared like maybe maybe the terms that western's offering aren't as beneficial financially for them so like you can play a you can play a uh a let's say an old miss or a mtsu or somebody like that and they're not demanding as much money or they can tie a football game into it where we'll pay a couple hundred thousand and Ole Miss will play a football game or they'll pay them 800,000. That, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. But, um, you know, it's frustrating that they won't play them and it's it's kind of frustrating that we can't really schedule anybody, which I'll get into more of that here once you guys talk. So, No, I agree. I think, uh, yeah. I think what you're talking Devin, about what do you think? Right. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, – I think that uh, I think Western's just not putting enough on the table is the issue, and I think they think or 
I just can't see the you know UK or U of L argument as to it's not a win-win for them to play us with Murray State. You know, I just feel like Western's just not got enough on the table to make a difference when they can play other schools who are maybe bigger, bring a little more money to the table. You know, as far as that's concerned, that's just that's my only argument that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think the same way. I because that, I said that in the group chat. I just think maybe we didn't offer them as much money as they were hoping, but I think they may have gotten the big head a little bit. They had that good run with John Morant, and even before them, they still had some pro players like Cameron Payne. They had a bunch Isaiah of Isaiah Cannon. Good, yeah. yeah, Isaiah Cannon. They had a bunch of good players that were somehow either like completely glanced over or they developed into star players with their coaches that they have and they, that's the thing too is that even with all the coaching changes that they've had they still have maintained success like they may have a bad year like their first year and are still able to keep working their way up and developing players which i hope stansbury would take note of but that's just kind of the <laughs> realistic circumstances that's- that we're under that's that's the thing. They've got a system. That's where really what kind of stopped with Ken McDonald and we we've been in the wilderness ever since. Like you yeah. can either we're trying to do we for a while we were doing the hot up and coming coach. We did we did uh Felton Horn and then it stopped with McDonald. He failed. So then we went for the proven coach that's got some baggage with with Harper and then that continued with Stansberry and I think you know, whenever the time move, comes to move on, we'll be going back to that hot shot assistant thing because that's where historically over the past 30 years where we've had the most success. You had him, you had Ralph Willard, Felton, Horn, uh, even Clem Haskins and stuff. Like you you hire the up and Gene Katie, you hire all these up and coming coaches, and then it's just like football. It's just you got to keep hiring the next guy, and we've kind of got out of that. And I think – if Stansberry doesn't succeed like we hope he does, then that's the well they'll go back to, and that's what's worked so well for Murray State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely feel you on that. But just this whole discussion about a non-conference opponent, because I know that Todd is still looking for a bad game or two. I'm not really sure what he's shopping around for, but I'll ask you guys, if you could choose any non-conference opponent for us to have a home-and-home series in basketball with, who would it be? Devin, I'll let you go first. I mean, are we talking fantasy or are we talking reality? Just, well, mostly well, let's, fantasy. Let's say, let's, say, let's say home and home, realistic home and home, and then practical by game. Yeah. Um, Russell. So realistic and then, yeah. Um, realistic, I would probably say, uh, you know who would be really interesting? would be like Rutgers. Well, they've actually done pretty good recently, though. That's the crazy thing. Usually they've always been made fun of that they shouldn't be in the Big Ten at all. But yet they've actually shown a lot of resurgence this year, and they look like they'll be an NCAA tournament team. So that might not be too bad. First time in 25 years. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, but still, I mean, it's just the, I mean, uh, and probably like my fantasy one that I think would be really fun for Western to have a home and home would be like Duke or. Uh, North Carolina, you know, some of the bigger schools. I'd love to see that, you know, get a home and home. Uh, kind of yeah, like that would Wisconsin be interesting. One a few years ago, that would be really fun. Yeah. And Wisconsin, looking at their recent history, I mean, they've gone to Final Fours. They've had really, really good – I mean, they were 15 in the country when we played them in Diddle Arena. So, I mean, I do respect the Badgers enough for actually playing us because it was really fun to boo Brad, uh, what's-his-face, the guy nobody likes. Yeah, Brad Davidson, sorry. Ross, what would you say? Well, did you have any more, Devin? No, 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 you go ahead. All right, cool. Ross, what do you think? I mean, realistic ones, I think, would be like some that Todd mentioned in the in the article. Like people like Cincinnati, Dayton, uh, I'm trying to – Vanderbilt. Um, I'm just trying to – like DePaul, like some decent names that aren't like – I you know Purdue Iowa, I think there's tons of schools like that that we could uh, schedule. Um, other ones you know when it comes to buy games like I don't understand like UK could buy us like that's who I would like say hey we'll do a one off one game in Rupp let's do it I think fans would go nuts if they got that opportunity again. Uh, IU I've always I've always wanted to go to Assembly Hall and play up there that'd be a fun one. 
Um, and then, you know, some more regional ones that I think we could do home and homes with would be like, you know, Ole Miss, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, you know, teams like that that are good, but not not like Blue Bloods that, you know, you could maybe tie a football game into. But, you know, teams have got wise since the Arkansas and Wisconsin series, and we, you know, that stuff's kind of all dried up. So, and you know, VCU and TCU would be fun home and home ones too. Or not, yeah. v, not TCU, VCU, Wichita State, like Butler, which is, I know, which is probably still in your thunder, Jared, but teams like that would be great. Yeah. And you definitely did, but I don't really care. I mean, I think that that would be a realistic one to have. Like, I would absolutely love a home and home with Butler because it's only a three-hour drive from Bowling Green, just straight up 65. It's not that hard to get there at all. Hinkle Field House is one of the coolest venues in all of college sports, as far as I'm concerned. It's a really nice place to just a nice atmosphere. And of course, I mean, Diddle Arena. I mean, you see what happens when high-profile teams come into Diddle. It's usually a sellout crowd. Crowd. everybody's going crazy it's a regional opponent that they've had a lot of success this year like they were as high as number five in the country but sadly they just haven't done very good recently but that would be my top favorite but like you said i mean more realistically i mean a10 schools i would love to play some vcus and which uh and teams like that we're playing rhode island i think that was a good pickup because they were ncaa tournament team they probably will be again this year Dayton. I just think staying regional, like within like a day's drive, that's definitely something manageable that fans could do. Yeah, north or south. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But of course, kind of unrealistically, it's like you said, Devin, I'd love to see us play Duke too. That'd be a cool game because uh, I got to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium once and it was a really, really interesting venue. It's so much smaller than you would think. Like that, all the bleachers were pushed in, and uh, there weren't any goals out, and none of the press row stuff when I was in there is like completely empty, and it didn't look that big at all. But I mean, they still bring the heat. They're Cameron crazies. They actually are crazy, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but I'm so really dorky too, though. But yeah, yeah, true. So here, here's the thing that I thought was most interesting about that article. It's basically Stewart admitted. We're too good to be a bye game or to get teams to schedule us, but we're not good enough to draw buzz. It's like you're in that limbo area. Like, yeah. And I, that's directly affected by not making a tournament. Not, You know, you think if a team wanted to schedule with, like, Loyola or, let's see, who are some other mid-majors that have done something lately? Like, Loyola would be another fun series. But uh, yeah. Loyola or, you know, the problem is a lot of these mid-major schools also left for uh, – you know, left for like the A, the uh, AAC and the Big East and stuff like that. So there's not as many of them out there anymore. Like even like schools like Creighton or whatever. Like now they're big time and like it's kind of the it's just like football. The haves and haves nots are getting a little bit further apart, unfortunately. Yeah, we're definitely in a tight spot because at least if we're an NCAA tournament team, like we have, well, we already have a historic, just an amazing history if you look at what we've accomplished. But, I mean, recent success, I mean, we've gotten close. We had that NIT run, of course. I mean, 2013 was the last time we went dancing. So I really hope that changes this year. But eh, we, that remains to be seen. If this season has been an indicator, it is kind of crazy. We're already into February that this time next month is probably when conference tournaments will be starting up to get those first tickets punched into the NCAA tournament. But uh, did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think you've covered everything tonight. Um, softball starts this weekend. They could have a really good uh, season, so keep an eye on them. I'll, I'm sure I'll do the updates on here. Yeah. And then baseball starts next weekend. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, just get back on track this week. Let's, you know, let's, let's get back on the hamster wheel. Let's go from I get disappointed to I start to believe again. And then we'll, we'll do the whole thing all over again. <laughs> Absolutely. And watch some XFL football, yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just so you guys know, if you are in the Bowling Green area, please come out to these games. I know tomorrow is a late game for a school night. It's uh, 8 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, uh, Blackout. Blackout. On, yeah, CBS Sports Network. It'll be on national TV, so be sure to check it out. I think the Southern Miss game yeah. is at 6.30 on Saturday. So if, if you're in town, please come support the Tops. They really need it. We want to try to get this team back in the tournament, and it's not really going to happen if we all just give up. And 
don't think that they'll accomplish anything. But and uh, as yeah, always, it's uh, an entertaining. Yeah, it's definitely an entertaining experience. Oh, Bring yeah. the family and the kids and everything. Yeah, you won't regret mm-hmm. it. But go ahead. Yeah, but uh, be sure you follow the t- uh, Tower Rack on Twitter, Facebook, Medium, whatever. Of course, uh, keep up with Red Out and all the different podcasts. Devin, thank you for letting me be your substitute host, I guess, while, <laughs> while you were gone the past few weeks. At least I know how to do all of this for future references whenever you need me to, but I'll give the reins back over to you now for next week. I appreciate it. Congra- uh, it congrats, Dad. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Congrats. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. And uh, for our listeners who uh, reached out to me, uh, pro- they probably got tired of hearing about me and the baby and stuff, but I uh, appreciate you all reaching out. Thank you all again. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, as we always say, y'all have a good one and go tops. Go tops. Go tops. <laughs>